Tanya Adams. And me, Fanchon Cox. We're continuing to talk to black women plus who are kicking ass and woo, taking woo. names in entertainment. Yes, yes. And today we have the freaking lovely Tatiana Lee. I'm so excited. Okay, Tatiana is an award-winning actress and an international model. Y'all gotta get on her okay. Instagram page. You will see this gorgeous woman. Uh, she quickly has also become a sought-after speaker for brands like Apple, Bank of America, Human Rights Watch, and the LA Film Festival, which unfortunately is not around anymore, but I'm around. so glad. They, they are lucky they got you in while they were running because it's such, it was such a great festival. And in 2018, she was a recipient of the Reeves Acting Scholarship from the Christopher and Dana Reeves oh Foundation God, so cool. for her contribution to further disability inclusion in film and media. Now, Homegirl is a major influencer and she has <laughs> spina bifida. So she serves as a Hollywood inclusion associate at Respectability, which is a nonprofit organization. Its mission is to fight stigmas and advance opportunities so people with disabilities can fully participate in all aspects of the community. She consults on all kinds of TV and film projects. She conducts trainings for studios and production companies, and they are so lucky to have you, and they still got to do better, but we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Including NBC Universal, Netflix, the Walt Disney Company, and she assists with Respectability's Lab for Entertainment Professionals with Disabilities. Welcome to welcome, Sister Brunch, Tatiana Thank Lee. You. <laughs> We are so, so happy to have you. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a fan of your guys' show. Oh, and thank you. when you asked me to be a guest, I was more than thrilled and just honored. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how we like to really typically start is to talk about how you, as the fabulous Tatiana Lee, who is now a model, actress, and award winner, came to be in this place. Can you talk a little bit about your journey from wanting to do gymnastics? I was watching a little video on you earlier, <laughs> wanting to do gymnastics and ballet and your mom saying, you can't do that. And you just saying, F that, I'm doing it. So tell us. Oh my gosh. So I was born with spina bifida. So I've had a disability my entire life. That's the only life I know. And I was just that kid that Anything you told me I couldn't do, it was like, no, I wanted to do it. And I think I didn't realize until I got to be a little bit older and go to school that I was different. I didn't think I was different. I thought everyone was like me. I, I thought that was just how I was. And so it was quite interesting. But I remember being seven years old and actually my mom bought me a Polaroid camera. And the first thing I did was organize a photo shoot in my front yard. Oh my God, I love um, it. <laughs> and I still have that photo. I had on a denim oh, outfit with like goodness. polka dots. But <laughs> at that moment, I knew that I wanted a career in front of the camera. And that was just something that was naturally embedded in me. I just had this personality about me. And actually I was visiting family and my cousin, she says, I'm so proud of everything that you are doing. And she says, do you remember when you were a little girl, you kept telling us you were going to be a star. I'm going <laughs> to be a star. And then she said, do you remember that? I said, no. She says, we knew you were going to be something. She's like, everybody, somebody. She was yeah. like, but Tati, you are somebody. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, moving forward from there, you know, always wanting to model and act and just be in front of the camera. And then, as a kid with a disability, I um, was actually born with severely deformed feet. 
And so I spent a lot of time in the hospital having surgeries. I've dealt with so many different illnesses. Um, I've had meningitis like three or four times. Oh my goodness. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the hospital. And what do you do when you're in the hospital? You read magazines and you watch TV and movies and things like that. And so I consumed a lot of that and, and really emerged myself in pop culture to escape the things I was dealing with having spina bifida. And one of the things that I quickly realized is that I wasn't reflected. I could not see myself in any of that. Um, I barely saw women of color. I mean, I had like the Tyra Banks and the Brandies and the Monicas and, you know, kind of that. I grew up in that generation. But I, even when I did have them, they weren't disabled. So I couldn't right. identify with right. that. I didn't know. They didn't walk on crutches. They weren't in wheelchairs. So I didn't feel fully reflected. And I realized how much that um, influenced how I felt about myself. Mm. And so mm. that really shaped everything for me, you know, how I felt about myself. But I knew I wanted a career in front of the camera because I always thought to myself, why aren't people with disabilities um, in advertising? Why people with disabilities aren't in film and TV? Mm. And you don't see it. And if you do see it, it's this sad, horrible story. And, you know, most of the time they're white. And mm. it's so I never had anything I could relate to. So you you knew from the beginning that you were going to be both an advocate and an actor slash model. Like that was that was always part of your path. I never thought I would be an advocate or an activist. I used to think people with disabilities just didn't want to be in entertainment. <gasps> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what I that just thought they is. didn't have anybody. Mm. I just thought I I honestly thought when I was a kid I was the only one. Mm. I honestly believe that. Wow. And I so I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, um, in in the country suburban area, like literally Amish town. And I wanted to act and model and I would try to like work with photographers in the city. I wasn't that far from Philadelphia and I would try to hide my disability so they would want to work with me. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I would take photos of just my face mm -hmm. and they would say to me, oh my gosh, you're gorgeous and I want to shoot with you. But then before I would try to have this conversation of, oh yes, I have a disability. I walk on crutches or, you know, I'm paralyzed. And then soon as I would mention that, because once I got there, they would know either way, I couldn't hide it. Uh, they would not want to work with me. And I would literally have people laugh at me and tell me that that was something I couldn't accomplish. No one was ever going to want to see a black girl with a disability model for them. You know, people would encourage me to work in PR or be a manager or something like that. Cause I was really good at marketing and branding. I actually went to college and majored in business marketing because at the time I wanted to learn how to interject disability into pop culture norms. Oh, mm -hmm. goodness, um, yes. I had like that business mindset, but just to try to get people to work with me and to put myself in front of the camera was, was just so hard. Yeah. And um, I had a hard time throughout my life. It affected so much. It affected my, my high school education, um, college, dating. It just, my disability affected so much of my life. Um, I was encouraged in 10th grade to drop out. So I actually <sighs> never finished high school. When I was in 10th grade, I think by that time I had meningitis like two times in the beginning of that year, I had pretty much missed the whole first half of school that wow. year. And so they sat my mom and I down and said, um, 
we don't know how to help you. We don't think you're going to be able to get enough credits in time to graduate. Mm. So our best option for you is to drop out. Wow. As opposed to we change our system to accommodate you, which is what your point is with Hollywood, right? We change our system to make sure everybody's included versus you're the one who has to lose out. Exactly. Mm. And just so Mm. many barriers to entry of just having access to education, employment, so many different things. There's so many barriers for people with disabilities and it's, it's just a huge problem. But where does that all start from? It all starts from how people view us in the media. Hey, it's Fanchon and you're listening to Sister Brunch. Stay tuned and we will be right back. To our conversation with actress, model, and disability advocate Tatiana Lee. So, when you did finally start getting work, what what were kind of the initial jobs that you got? What were those like? So, fast forward, I came to LA, and first thing I did was people always told me, "It's not about what you know; it's about who you know," mm-hmm. and that was important. So, get out there and network. And what happened was the first thing where people would invite me to places to network, it literally was not wheelchair accessible. So gosh, when people say I figuratively could not get in the room, it wasn't that I didn't know people that wouldn't invite me. It was that I literally physically could not get into the room Wow, um, because it wasn't wheelchair accessible. And um, so that was a huge barrier um, to meeting people. So I was like, Here I am, dropped in Hollywood. And I thought when I got here, I thought Hollywood was going to be so progressive. Accessibility Mm. wasn't going to be an issue. And I'm like, you just got a great bubbly personality. People are just going to book you. And it's going to be a breeze. And that is genuinely what I thought. And I got here and I said, wait, it's not that people with disabilities don't want to work in the entertainment industry. It's that they literally don't have access to it. Yeah. So what are we to do? And I would do like, crazy things. I would, I've dragged my chair up steps to go audit and acting class. I've I've had events bring the party downstairs to me or have ushers or people that are available drag me or carry my chair up steps Mm. and different things like that. And what I started doing was, was blogging about it and writing about it because I literally couldn't get into the room. And I'm like, People need to know that this is a problem. Yeah. And so I started blogging about it. And that's where my lifestyle brand, Accessible Hollywood, started. And it was just me sharing my journey. And um, from there, I, you know, would submit myself for different things. And I wouldn't get anything back. People wouldn't really respond to me. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to create my own lane and just see Mm. what happens. And so one of my really good friends who she had an interest in photography, she got a camera and I would just buy outfits and we would just take photos Mm. and I would tag the company and I just took it to Instagram and I would start taking photos and then it started really growing and then I started getting a following. Then after that, it got the attention of a little brand called Apple. Mm. Um, (laughs) Can I, can I just ask you one quick question? 
You're busting your ass to try and get in the room. How are you surviving? So that was where my activism came in. So okay. I started I started being an activist and just speaking up for this very issue of lack of accessibility and inclusion and in entertainment through my yeah. blog, Accessible Hollywood. And I started being invited to speaking on panels from Apple. That was when I did the panel for LA Film Festival and a couple yeah. other different brands invited me to talk. Um, because I just started being very vocal about it. From there, I met um, the organization that I work for now, Respectability. Respectability started doing this work and they needed someone that had the capacity to do the consulting and had the experience of knowing how to read scripts, knowing how to tell what is ableist and not ableist and things yeah. like that. And so I was able, to, was literally offered a full-time position um, within their Hollywood inclusion department. Awesome. Um, Lauren Applebaum started it and she says, yes. I want to do this work, but I need a partner to do it with. And so that has been my full-time job because every working actor usually waits tables or mm -hmm. bartends. Right. Um, I'm, a, I'm a wheelchair user. I can't, can't do that. Um, no bar yeah. or restaurant is going to hire me. Let's be real. And so that has literally been able to sustain me. So I'm able to do that full time to be able to afford to live and all of that. And then self-care wise, weekends are my weekends. And mm -hmm. I shut my phone off on the weekend and it's all about self-care. It's well before the pandemic, you know, going to go get massages and mm -hmm. making sure my nails are done and getting my feet done or just having a day to just relax and sleep. Like if as a person with a disability, because I still do have health challenges, if I don't get enough rest, I am no good. And you yeah. know, my health, my health depletes. So I have to rest myself and I have to be mindful of that. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with Hollywood disability inclusionist, Tatiana Lee. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon Cox, and we are back with Tatiana Lee. So as a working director in the industry, recently I was working with my AD and we were trying to craft a scene and I was like, can we have somebody be in this scene that's in a wheelchair? Like, how do we make this a little bit more diverse in our casting? And the response was, we'd love to do that, but we really feel like it's gonna be really impossible to get those people to the location. It's such a big deal, let's try it another time. And not having the knowledge to be able to come back at them, um, you know, I just kind of acquiesce. So <laughs> I, I get that response a lot. So actually in a lot of the work that I do, Hollywood passes the buck to different people. One minute they right. say, oh, it's the writer, it's the director, it's the producer, it's the casting director. And yeah. they blame each other. So first of all, it's not impossible and it's not hard. Actually, central casting, if you're using central casting or whatever or any other casting, they know how to find people with disabilities. I am with an agency where my agent represents over 400 actors with different various disabilities, with all different levels of expertise in the industry, from knowing how to have a lead star role to people who all they do are just extras or yeah. background. So it's not impossible it is literally one phone call. And a lot of people think having people with disabilities is a hazard or it's too expensive. Actually having a person with a disability on set, if they are a lead, costs less than $400. 
then if you have somebody who is background or anything, it doesn't cost anything. I mean, most sets are built kind of as you as you do it. So it's like, um, as you do it, you just make sure that wires are maybe um, sealed over a little bit, which most sets have to do that anyway. And then just have one, maybe PA, just make sure that when they're crossing different things, making sure they're a little more protected. But it really isn't that much because most of us are already professional actors that know how to behave and know how to maneuver a set anyway. And so it's not, and then people always think it's a liability, but I'm saying I'm no more of a liability than someone who isn't disabled. Uh, This is a specific question. So we're on location. So you have to go to crew parking and then you need to get in a van to go to the location. We hire you or we hire three people that are in wheelchairs that have to get in the van with the other crew. How is that easy? Talk me through how I so can pitch that. I actually just did this. A friend of mine was doing a show and he asked me to be on the show. That was the only reason I offered to be an extra <laughs> was because he, the person who wrote and stars in this show um, asked me himself, and he's a person with a disability. Anyway, what they did is most of the people with disabilities come with their own cars. So yeah. you just have them drive to the location. You just mm. make a designated spot for them to park somewhere near where the other production cars park. Okay. And um, I don't have a car right now. So what I did was I literally just brought my sister and my sister drove for the day and then they just paid her a fee as an extra as well. And she was just available in a car for me to drive me to where I needed to go. So okay. there's solutions to different right. things. And it's like most people work on production. Your job is to problem solve. Why can't right. you problem solve and put your head together to make accessibility for people with disabilities? You problem solve everything else. Right, 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 right. I'll just jump okay. in and say, um, so we're we're updating the language on the inclusion writer, and we were so lucky to get to talk with Tatiana and with Diana Elizabeth Jordan because we did the same thing, which is we wrote this inclusion writer and wrote disability la- you know, language in the inclusion writer without actually consulting anybody <laughs> with oh, disability. Yeah. So yeah. the earlier we talk about it, right? Cause that's our excuse. All, all the excuses we hear all the time is like, well, now we just don't have time or now we get COVID. We have to focus on COVID. The earlier in the process, we get them yes. committed to making sure that they are going to make their set accessible, the easier it is so that, you know, yes. you do that from day one that way it's already part of the process. So we're working on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just that simple. People just make it way more complicated than it needs to be. Tatiana, can you talk about the demographics? Because if your only point is money, we're missing out on the opportunity to make money off of showing people, right. Like having just folks, you know, in all aspects of the production. Um, so can you talk about that demographics? Yes. So first of all, people with disabilities make up 20% of the population. That is 20%. We are the largest marginalized community. And yep. The largest. We are actually larger than the LGBTQ community. Oh, my God. And not only that, we intersect into every Every, other community. Yeah. People of color, LGBTQ, white, 
Asian, uh, black, so many. We intersect into any and everything. So you can never talk about diversity and not include disability. Because if yeah. you talk about black, being black or being a black woman, you can't not talk about disability. If you're talking about LGBTQ, you cannot talk about disability um, or include that in some way. It's so important. But not only that, a lot of times people... Um, argue the money argument mm -hmm. and Nielsen actually did a study I want to say maybe 2016 the study came out or something and they actually did a study to calculate and talk about the buying power and the buying habits of people with disabilities and what they found was that when you include people with disabilities but not only that their friends and their family right the disability market is worth over a trillion dollars okay. <laughs> we are the third largest market next to baby boomers and teens and then when you think about their family members because my family um doesn't people in my family don't have a disability and my friends don't but if something isn't accessible for me that also influences how they buy and how they spend their time as yeah. well too yeah. so that's yeah. so important to think about that and so you're miss you're literally leaving money on the table right. and then now you know there's a lot of time and now some people are trying to jump on you know this diversity inclusion and starting to include disability but then there's still some areas where they're they're missing and so the community wants to see their self authentically reflected yeah. right. and the community wants to see their self positively reflected. And so you have to think in the way, not only are you just throwing a person in a wheelchair and just saying, oh, I got an actor with a disability and somebody portraying a disability. It's like, no, you have to do it authentically because we go and look and we talk. Disability Twitter is a real yes. thing. Just like there's black Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there's yes. disability Twitter. Oh, Can yeah. I ask you about a specific show? Go ahead. <laughs> so what do you think about mom? Mom? The show mom. I haven't really seen it, but I heard of it. So yes, okay. it is an actor playing, not having a disability portraying being disabled. There's a yeah. few shows that are like that. That yeah. is very, very problematic. Yeah. Um, so the unemployment rate for people with disabilities is three times more than someone who is non-disabled. So yeah. by someone non-disabled playing a role that is made for a person with a disability, you're leaving out an opportunity for an actor with a disability to be gainfully employed and help lift up that unemployment rate of people with disabilities. Yeah. Not only that, I think people don't realize that having a disability is, is an identity. I don't separate being a black woman from my disability. When people ask me, how do I identify? I am a disabled black woman. Yeah. And I think people don't realize that all of those identities intersect for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't experience one more than the other. I've even had somebody ask me, how do I feel that I've been discriminated more for, for being disabled or for being black or being a woman? And I was like, I'm probably all three. Right, right. All three true all, of, all the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to representation of all of that, people don't realize that we see it as a form of blackface. There's a term we use in the community and it's called cripping up. And so when we see a character who isn't disabled playing disabled, first of all, we know we can tell because there's certain ways that when you're paralyzed or you have a disability that you move, that you do things, how you how you're just effortless with things. So when we see people non-disabled playing in a wheelchair, 
they're super clunky and all yeah. of these other things. Whereas if you were to see me, I would be so much more graceful because I know how to maneuver my wheelchair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually a smack in the face and is just as offensive to me as a black woman. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but just as offensive to me as if I were to see someone doing blackface. Yep. Wow. Um, because you're portraying my identity that you can wipe off or take away or get out of your chair where this is my life experience and I come with that knowledge and that lived experience. Mm-hmm. How dare you try to portray that in a way that doesn't do me justice as as a human being living on this earth. Hi, it's Anya and you're listening to Sister Brunch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back to our conversation with actress, model, and disability advocate Tatiana Lee. Can you share other terminology? Because I know I used to say differently abled, and then I got to learn from you all not to use that term. So you can share other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So differently abled is a term that is kind of it's a euphemism. It is honestly to make non-disabled people feel better about themselves mm. or to not acknowledge disability because. Yeah. Society as a whole, we have put in, put this this idea that disability is bad. Yeah. And so we want to refrain from it. And it's like disability isn't bad. It's not a bad thing. And not only that, one of the things that I always tell people is um, when the Civil Rights Act was signed, um, that did not include people with disabilities. So people with disabilities mm-hmm. actually weren't allowed to, could be discriminated for, for education, jobs, so many things um actually at a certain point couldn't really even be out in public um there was a time where there was something called an ugly law and people with disabilities were fined for being out in public um the americans with disabilities act literally gives me civil right for you to not discriminate against me for a job for an Mm. education to have access to public places as much as they still do that Um, because actually the Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't have any teeth or anything to really um, have a way to hold these people accountable when they Mm. do discriminate, besides Mm. you having to go through a whole entire lawsuit process. Granted, it still says you are not allowed to discriminate against me. Um, So it's not called the Americans with Differently Abled Act. It's Mm. the Americans (laughs) with Disabilities Act. Um, So... That's my civil right. And so that's why I don't like when people use euphemisms like special needs and all that kind of stuff. Like special needs, everybody has special needs. Right. Why is my needs any different than yours? The only reason my needs is different is because society hasn't adapted or to my needs Mm -hmm. as a wheelchair user because of lack of accessibility. So my needs aren't any special than yours. It's just because society doesn't want to support my needs. Let's be real. And then another word to use is inspiration porn. So, and this is something that I actually teach a lot when I do a lot of my trainings. Inspiration porn is, and these are, like you said, those storylines where it's only about your disability. Me as a person with a disability, I don't sit around wondering about my disability or thinking about my disability 24-7. I'm worried about how my hair looks, (laughs) what makeup I'm wearing, what outfit I'm wearing, who I'm going out to dinner with. Oh, am I going to date that guy or not? Like, Mm. those Mm. are the things I'm thinking about as a woman. 
The only time I'm thinking about my disability is when you bring it up for me or because there's a barrier and I have to think about it because now I have to problem solve to try to get access to this place because you're not allowing me mm. access. Right. But inspiration porn is when people want that person to focus on their disability and oh, they have this sad, sobby story. And then it's it allows the audience to say, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for that person with a disability. My life is so much better. Let uh -huh. me not complain about what I'm going through because they got it so much worse. Mm. Or, it's funny, I've literally had people while I'm in the grocery store shopping or getting into my house, people will scream to me and tell me I am brave. Like, <laughs> why, why am I brave for grocery shopping? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's put this out into the universe. Tatiana Lee, what is your dream film or TV project? Yes, bring it. Tell us. So my dream project, and actually I started teaching myself how to write. So I'm teaching <gasps> myself how to write. Yes. And I'm working on a pilot so that I can then go through a program and flesh it out and get it done because there's not enough opportunities for someone like me. I feel like the industry just now is starting to wrap their mind around white men with disabilities. Mm. So it's mm. still taking a while for them to get to <laughs> the plus size black girl in a wheelchair with the curly kinky hair. So <laughs> Um, and so um, it's funny because I get a lot of these auditions, but they're like sad stories and mm -hmm. someone who's focused on their disability. And then when the role isn't focused on their disability, a lot of times they open up to just woman in a wheelchair. So then not only that, I'm competing against white women in wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, those white women end up getting it because I really honestly feel, and I've actually been told this by somebody, that the white women with disabilities is a little more easier to swallow than mm. to see a black woman in a wheelchair. Mm. So I'm working on my own script because Good. I have so many stories that I want to tell yes. that I feel only me as a disabled black woman navigating the world can tell. I've lived a lot of life and I've seen some stuff and I've been through some stuff. So I want to tell my own story. And so my, yes. my dream project is to star, write, and produce my own show. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. We should shout out Lauren Applebaum because I really think respectability is one of the highest, highest levels of examples of intersectionality because she is no joke around making sure there are voices of color consistently represented that there are and when we didn't even get into the all of the different ways that people have disabilities right there's invisible disability is it is that the right yes. terminology there's, in, yeah non-visible disability non where you can't see and that's adhd that's dyslexia that's all different type of mental health disabilities different things like that and then you have visible like mine and mm -hmm. then you have people who are deaf hard of hearing then you have yeah. people who may have spina bifida cerebral palsy um spinal cord injury mm -hmm. um and so many other down syndrome there's Disability is a long, huge spectrum. Yeah. And I yeah. think people have this specific idea of what it looks like, but it's this huge spectrum that we make up a huge diverse culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to Lauren. Yeah, um, I love working with her. I tell people besides acting and modeling, it is literally my dream job to work alongside her and to really create this change that is happening. 
and I'm honored to be a part of all of the work that we are doing. And yeah, so I know it's opening up so many doors, not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera with yes. our lab. And they're all talented, trained, either went to school or have had jobs who are people with disabilities that want to work behind the camera, writers, yeah. producers, directors, all those different areas who have disabilities and don't have access to the industry otherwise. Fully qualified right. folks, fully yep. qualified folks just need the, the, like you said, the networking or the relationships and, you know, so I, I just, I love the and, work you all are and doing. And it makes these stories so much more authentic when you have people behind the camera saying, that's not right. Or yes. I don't know if you would do that. Yes. And one of the things, you know, Lauren and I preach all the time, don't forget about those intersections. Why can't the person that is LGBTQ be deaf? Yes. Why can't yeah. the person who is black also be a wheelchair user? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. all of those different things, mm -hmm. because all of that stuff matters. It really, yeah. really does. And it trickles down to how society treats us as a whole and has an impact. I'll keep this as general as possible to keep my job, but um, I was working on a period piece and just kind of, you know, adding my two cents. I was not in a position to really do much or hire folks, but I like to add my two cents. And I had to help people understand that LGBTQ people, people with disabilities, black folks existed in like, you know, medieval times, I'll say, to not get too specific. You know what I'm yep. saying? So th this is another aspect is the, the constant, so we've got the excuses around hiring and making the set, ex or, you know, making the set accessible, but then there are also, also the excuses of, well, we, you know, I just, I want to make this story real. And I'm like, yeah, but that is real. We existed at those times. <laughs> yep. So I wonder if you ever get pushback on, well, this is a, you know, we need to maintain the story. And the story took place in the 1500s. And I'm like, yeah, well, what's, what's your point? Yeah, some people do that. <laughs> I haven't been asked to do anything like that or consulted on anything like that yet. But there's no moment where you can't say I can't use someone of color yeah, or yeah. I can't use a person with a disability. It's like the mobility aids they use probably were a little bit different, different. but they right. existed. Right. So, Tatiana, how has COVID affected your work? Um, so I haven't had many auditions. Um, I would say more than anything's probably affected more of my modeling because my modeling was my other like hustle that was working really well for me. So that has been a barrier. But other than that, I've honestly have still been go, go, go between my full-time job at Respectability, um, doing social media collaborations. I've been able to do a lot of speaking engagements virtually. Um, so I've actually been pretty busy. Um, oh, great. Living my best life in COVID. Um, yeah. so, so, but I am stories. excited to get back to being on set and just working on more projects and, and doing more stuff. That's what I love the most. So I'm excited to to get to that. And hopefully I book something soon or get an audition for something soon where I, I can't work on set. So hmm. I'm excited. You will. Where, where and how can we and our listeners support you? Because... More, even more folks will be ahead over heels with, with yes. Tatiana. So where can we find you? Where can we support you? 
So um, you can definitely go to my blog, AccessibleHollywood.com. That's where you can see a lot of my writing work. Recently, I haven't been updating it, which shame on me. Um, but you can see some of my past stuff that I've done, some of my modeling projects, some of my calling out different places for not being accessible, <laughs> all that good stuff. Yes. Um, so go to AccessibleHollywood.com. You can always send me a message or an email there. It goes directly to me. Um, you can also definitely, I'm mostly active on Instagram. Um, so find me on Instagram at Miss Tati Lee. So that's M S T A T I L E E. The same for Twitter. Um, and yeah, at respectability.org. That is a lot of my work that I do over there. So if you are looking for to consult on a project or just want some questions, um, there's no question that we can't answer for you or find True. out. So True. if you're curious, um, Message me there and holla at me. Let's work. Let me just say that if if y'all go to her blog and she hasn't done updates, that's because she's working on her script. So right. Tatiana, we are going to okay. hold you to that. We're going to nudge you on that. And we're looking forward to hearing your stories from your perspective because it's so important. Yes. And, um, and seeing what we can do to help you get them out into the world. We are so thrilled to have you on. Thank you. This was yes. so fun. Thank you so much. That was our conversation with Tatiana Lee. Go to sisterbrunch.com to learn more about her work and where to follow her on all the socials. And thank you so, so much for listening to Sister Brunch and for reviewing the show and telling your friends about it. Sister Brunch is with co-hosts Anya Adams and me, Fanchon Cox. You can follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast and Twitter at Sister Brunch to catch up with us, find out what we're watching, support our amazing Black Women Plus guests, and also on Facebook at facebook.com slash sisterbrunchpodcast. And please, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review and tell your all your people about the show. Anybody who wants to learn about what it's like to be in Hollywood, work in Hollywood, and how to get here, tell them to listen and rate and subscribe too. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Christabel Nsiabwadi. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles and the Coast Salish for Anya in Vancouver. See you all next time. Mm-hmm.